You are listening to Challenge to Lead, five-minute thought nuggets to inspire you to be better. A friend of mine works for Boston Scientific. They're a pretty huge global company in the pharmaceutical and med tech world. And she's worked with them for 18 years. And I was talking to her recently about the company in general. You know, I'm a student of leadership. Obviously, you are as well. You're listening to this podcast. And uh, she made some allusion in the story about how she works for Boston Scientific, but she had taken a little break. And of course, I employed one of my favorite questions. She piqued my curiosity. I said, tell me more about that. She goes, well, the culture went to absolute crap in the middle and I couldn't take it anymore. And I left. She's in the finance department. She's probably like number three in finance in the company. Um, and I, I said, what, what triggered that? Tell me the story. I'm very interested. And so here's the story. Here's a little leadership parable. Well, I guess it's truth. So a leadership story of the arc of a company under bad leadership and under good leadership. So this company was started maybe 30 some years ago. They had major success with one medical device product, um, billions of dollars, we're talking a multi-billion dollar company here. And um, they got really big and then as that product started to lose its revenue generation, they started doing acquisitions of other companies. They got into a bidding war over another company. And she was saying that this is known as like one of the second worst merger and acquisition. Uh, and they got into a bidding war and she said the egos got involved, the, the owner's egos got involved and they paid way too much for this company and then the FDA came in and caused some made, caught some major issues and then they had to spend tons of money and resources fixing it. So it was a bad acquisition to begin with and then it got worse and they started hemorrhaging money and they went through a kind of slash and burn. They brought in they brought in a team of consultants to do hack and slash uh, in within the company and she said first we in the finance department were told to, before we would reduce people, we would fix processes um, and other things so that the people who are left weren't burdened with twice the workload. Um, and just, so first a real, like, reallocation before a reduction in force. Um, and she said, and I was flying all over the world, working through this with leaders, and they decided we weren't moving fast enough, and so they just went into hack and slash mode and they just started laying people off. and. And they didn't care. So they just didn't care about the people. During this time, she decides she does not want to be a part of this company anymore. She leaves. A couple years later, she gets asked to come back um, by a former mentor. They brought in a new CEO. She's like, and Becca, it is amazing to me with how quickly the culture of the company tanked, how quickly they turned it around with the right hire. So Boston Scientific, they... Uh, realized they were hemorrhaging their good people and they had a major culture issue and they brought in a CEO, which uh, this to me is, is actually fascinating. They brought in a CEO from a competitor, Johnson & Johnson, who had a non-compete. So they brought him in, in one year non-compete, they brought him in and they just kind of sat him in a corner for a year. That's a pretty huge strategic play, right? We're going to bring in a guy who's going to be our next CEO, but we're going to sit him on the bench for a year while his non-compete runs out. Maybe this is a common practice that I'm just not aware of. But I thought that was a, a killer strategic move because 
if you put a, a star quarterback on the bench intentionally for a year, do you know what they do? They sit and they watch the team. Like they are forced to just observe and and formulate a game plan. So that's what this guy did. And he spent a year working kind of in one department, just watching and observing. Then he moved into the CEO role. And this is, uh, she, she came back at three years in, right? So he had two years in the role. And she said, when I came back, the culture had turned around so much. And I said, what, what do you attribute that to? And she said, he, his tagline is people and patience and patients and people. Now they're in the science, uh, you know, pharmaceutical and med device industry. So you have to go through FDA trials and it's a long time to market on their product. Um, and there's a lot of expense that goes into that. So I, I understand the patience piece of it for sure. But then the people tagline was, was very neat. And she said, he just, he poured into us. He listens, he makes it a point to go and meet with, you know, she said he'll come into the lunchroom and he'll go and he'll sit down next to the youngest person he can find to just learn about them and find out what's happening down at their level. And she said, and he doesn't micromanage. He listens to our um, decisions and he lets us do them and, and he doesn't take credit for it and he supports us and he doesn't say that he has a better idea. And I was like, this is amazing. So under his tutelage and just in really just two years, he was able to completely shift the culture of the company. And they have grown significantly in revenue, um, in size, in scope, in uh, just kind of all the markers in the 12 years since he has been there. And this was her inside perspective. And by the way, now in finance, she works on the mergers and acquisitions team. So all day, every day, she's running scenarios about what's a profitable business and what isn't. So this, I would say this is her expertise <laughs> and knowing when a company is doing well. And I just thought, I loved this whole story. Number one, I, I mean, you're going to hate that I say this, but I don't hate that they did a hack and slash on their people because a lot of times, and she said this, like they had gotten bloated. They had been putting people and resources into the wrong thing. So I, I kind of think that he was set up um, from the get-go to restore the culture because because they had shifted the culture, right? Like a bad guy, had a hatchet man had already come in and done all the bad work and his job was to come in and heal. So, you know, that's an interesting thing to think about if you're in a place where your culture sucks. Like maybe there needs to be a bit of a harsh reset and then you need to bring in the right person to come do the healing and the rebuilding. Um, and then the second thing was that turnarounds don't, if you're in a bad spot in your leadership, turnarounds don't have to take forever. It probably has been a, a slow evolution to the bottom point that you may be feeling right now. And it's possible to be intentional about getting out of that. And I'm if you're in that spot, two years might seem like a long time, but it's not. It is really not. You, you can't fix things overnight. Two years, I would say, is probably the fastest you can fix things, uh, really, when it comes to culture and people, because you got to rebuild trust and you got to put the right people in, in place and you got to groom and train them. But if you start today, you can accomplish big things. And I just loved everything about this story. 
there's not necessarily a challenge to leave here. It's more just a case study for you to know that even when things seem bleak and doomed, the right key leadership hire can make a massive difference on the future of your company. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. I appreciate it and I appreciate you. I have two challenges for you right now. Number one, stop. Take some time to think about what you just heard and apply it to your life and your situation and use it to be better today. Two, I have a goal to get to 100 more subscribers. So if you got something out of this and would share it, I would greatly appreciate that. Have a great day.